Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode 155 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. I'm a solicitor specialising in employment law and I run the firm Real Employment Law Advice, where we provide advice and assistance to employers and employees on all aspects of employment law throughout the UK. For those of you who have listened regularly or have listened to the recent episodes, you'll know that I've been doing a mini-series on redundancy. I've done seven episodes covering all the aspects of redundancy for employers. And today, I'm going to be rounding off this mini-series with an episode about the frequently asked questions related to redundancy and the furlough scheme and the current circumstances in relation to um, COVID-19 and the job retention scheme. So I'm going to cover off those questions that have been asked by our customers and our business contacts. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this week's featured content. So the first thing I'm going to cover is not necessarily a frequently asked question, although it is something that we are advising on a lot at the moment. And that is the recent change to the law that was brought in at the end of July. Um, So on the 31st of July, very quickly, the law was changed in relation to how you calculate the week's pay for the purposes of establishing redundancy pay and notice pay when somebody has been furloughed. So by way of background, under the Employment Rights Act, it sets out in law how an employer should calculate a week's pay for the purposes of paying redundancy or notice in normal circumstances. What was happening, and reported to be happening quite a lot, was employers were calculating redundancy pay for furloughed employees based on their pay during furlough. So taking into consideration the reduced pay. And the same thing for notice. So employees who were furloughed for the notice period were receiving payment based on furlough pay. So in most cases, that's 80%. Now, recognising this was causing disadvantage to people, the government stepped in and have now legislated on it. So to amend the provisions in the Employment Rights Act to cover the situation where somebody has been furloughed and is made redundant. So you would think it would all be fairly straightforward and easy for employers to deal with. So basically, you would just take into account the pay pre-furlough period for the purposes of calculating a week's pay for statutory redundancy. So the cap on redundancy pay of a week's pay is 538. That remains in place. You just work out what somebody's paid on a week's pay if they're paid an ordinary amount every week. It's the standard amount before furlough. And if they are paid variable amounts, then it's based on the average of the previous 12 weeks prior to the furlough period. So that is to say, in essence, they are paid 100% of their normal pay for statutory redundancy pay. That's fairly easy to understand and to implement. The problems arise in relation to notice pay. So what has happened with the change in law is that employers who were giving notice to employees to terminate their employment by reason of redundancy and who were paying them 
80% for the notice period because they're furloughed, now have to look at it again and see if they are paying the correct amount because in certain circumstances, employees would now be entitled to receive 100% of their pay, their normal pay during the notice period. The circumstances in which you are required by law to pay 100% during notice are where the notice period that you're required to give employees, either by way of the employment contract or if there is no contract, then the default position is what the law says, which is one week for each full year of employment. So that's fairly straightforward. If your contracts say the notice period you have to give to employees is the statutory minimum of one week for each year of employment, then you are required by law to pay them 100% of pay during their notice period. The potential issue or anomaly arises where the notice period in the contract, or as has been agreed between employer and employee, exceeds the statutory minimum by one week or more. So in many cases, an employer will say, for example, that an employee is entitled to a month's notice up until they've been employed for five years, and thereafter it's one week for each full year of employment, or sometimes Uh, As is in the case of many professionals, it could be three months notice. In those circumstances where the contractual notice period exceeds the legal minimum notice period by one week or more, an employer doesn't have to pay 100% for the notice period as has been prescribed by the change in law. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's advisable for an employer not to pay 100%. And it's certainly worth checking what the employment contract says and what was agreed in the furlough agreement with the employee to ascertain whether it is safe or not for you to pay 80% for the notice period. As I say, it's a fairly complicated area in relation to uh, the calculation of notice pay. So if you have any questions about it, or you're not sure, then I strongly recommend you get advice. It's much easier to get advice at the outset than have to deal with a breach of contract or unlawful deductions from wages claim. There is, of course, also the reputational issue of a departing employee who feels disgruntled because during their notice period, you've only paid them 80%. Um, So you ought to consider that as well, even if by law or, or in terms of your employment contract, you can legitimately pay 80%. It may be worth for the hassle factor and potential reputational risk to top it up to 100% anyway. As I say, if you have any questions about that or the calculation of redundancy pay or notice pay, then I strongly recommend you get advice. You can contact me by email. It's alison at realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk. I'm happy to answer your questions or arrange a call to chat it through. Now on to um, some of the more frequently asked questions. Um, This is a question that has arisen a few times, um, particularly early on in the furlough scheme or the job retention scheme. And that is a question which is, I have heard some people say it's unfair to make redundancies when the furlough scheme is still available. Now, what people are referring to in relation to this is the decision to make redundancies when maybe back early on in the scheme, the scheme was available and potentially um, for quite some time into the future, whether it would be fair to do redundancies at that point in time and whether you could justify the decision to dismiss someone for redundancy at that point in time. Now, I would have said maybe 
if you'd jumped straight in and made redundancies perhaps in March uh, or early April, then you should be considering your justification for making redundancies at that time when you had the availability of the furlough scheme um, that could have carried on paying employees at no cost to you. And certainly there would have been potentially if someone tried to bring an unfair dismissal claim in relation to that, a possible hurdle to overcome in justifying your decision making. But I think it would probably be fairly loose and fairly difficult. And certainly I haven't heard of anyone bringing any claims yet. Um, I know we're still very early on, but it's not to say that somebody might not try to bring an unfair dismissal claim on that basis. But certainly now that we're in August, or mid-August now as I'm recording this, the furlough scheme is starting to cost employers, as we know, and it's going to continue to cost employers. And really, actually, you've only got September and October for the scheme before it ends. So I would certainly say, although the furlough scheme is available now, and potentially for another two and a half months, I don't think that an employee would be able to claim unfair dismissal on the basis that you've decided to make them redundant now, knowing that the scheme would be ending shortly. So that's a fairly straightforward one and something that has developed over time really and the answer to that question and the advice we've been given, giving to people has changed um, from March through to August. The next question is, can I claim under the job retention scheme for the pay I'm paying an employee during the notice period? Now, providing the employee is furloughed or flexibly furloughed and you meet all the criteria of the scheme, then the scheme rules, as they're set out by HMRC on the .gov website, are clear that an employer can continue to claim under the furlough scheme for wages for the notice period. Again, this was something that was a bit of contentious and there were various views on it before, but actually it was clarified by a change in the guidance to make it clear that employers could continue to claim. Of course, you can only claim 80% of pay currently during August and then obviously that will reduce in September and October and as I was saying at the top of the show really there are some situations in which an employer is now required to pay 100% during notice period so you would have to top that up and that is certainly something to factor into your considerations now when you're planning for the future. The next question is can I claim statutory redundancy pay under the furlough scheme? This is a resounding no. If you are making an employee redundant and you're required to pay statutory redundancy pay or contractual redundancy pay, then you are not able to claim that. It has to come from the business. You can't claim it under the furlough scheme. Can I select someone for redundancy who is furloughed? Now, the answer to that question is yes, of course, you can select someone who is furloughed for redundancy, but you do have to follow a fair procedure and that includes selection and pools as we've talked about in previous episodes. So you can't just say, well, they're furloughed, I'm going to choose them. Um, You do have to go through a process of fair and reasonable selection. And this is particularly important if your employees that have been furloughed or furloughed for reasons related to disability or uh, shielding or childcare related reasons. And certainly some of the statistics that are coming out from the ONS about furlough and those people who have been furloughed or are being made redundant, it would seem that there is a disproportionate amount of people, particularly women who are taking on a childcaring role, who have been furloughed 
and are subsequently being made redundant. So you do need to be very careful and mindful of that. And of course, if an employee is furloughed, then you still need to engage with them in the consultation process, make sure that they get all the information and have the ability to attend meetings, whether in person or virtually. Leading on from that is the next question, which is, I have an employee who is furloughed and cannot return to work yet because of childcare. Can I make them redundant? Well, um, as I was saying before, a disproportionate amount of women, particularly who are furloughed, are furloughed because of childcare reasons and are finding that they are being made redundant. Um, It does throw up various issues in relation to equality, um, not least the legal issues, but also issues of morality and uh, the kind of business that you're trying to run and grow. So the short answer is no, you can't just select somebody for redundancy because they have childcare considerations. You do need to follow a fair and reasonable process in the same way as you would with any other employee. Now, if you have concerns about somebody being able to return to work, I mean, of course, bearing in mind now we're in mid-August and um, most schools should be going back to school most years in September in just sort of two and a half weeks. This may not be so much of an issue and hopefully it's not. Um, And certainly many nursery and preschool settings are already open. Um, But if you do find an employee who's struggling to return to work, because of a lack of childcare, for example, uh, they, they rely on a parent or an elderly relative or somebody who is shielding who can't care for their child, then it's important to enter into a dialogue with them. Try to understand what the situation is and work around it wherever you can. Don't just automatically decide to make them redundant because of that reason. Again, there are various pitfalls that you could fall into here and problems that could arise. So I do strongly recommend that you get some advice if you have this kind of issue. The next question is, due to the economic situation and the coronavirus, I plan to close the business altogether. Do I need to go through a redundancy consultation? Well, the answer to that is yes, you still need to have some form of consultation with employees before you decide to terminate their employment by reason of redundancy. I know it's a really difficult one and most employees, once they know you're closing, will not want to engage and and will see the writing on the wall. But it is really important to go through that process and to at least open a dialogue with them and engage with them about it. Not least because you may find that in opening a conversation about the situation that an employee steps forward and says that they want to take over um, or They may have an opportunity for somebody else to step into your shoes and run the business and thereby keep their employment going. So certainly, yes, I think you can go through a shortened version, if you like. Um, And particularly if you have less than 20 employees, it'll be easier for you. But certainly you should undertake a redundancy consultation, even if the outcome is the closure of the business and the loss of all jobs. The next question is, Can I change an employee's contract terms from fixed hours to zero hours in order to avoid redundancy? Now, you would only be able to do so in these circumstances and avoid redundancy where an employee agrees to the change. So they happy or they are satisfied with the change and they decide to accept the new terms. Or if you go through a process of termination and re-engagement and they agree to be re-engaged on the new terms. 
Um, you can't avoid a redundancy situation by forcing that through where an employee does not wish to make the change and doesn't want to start employment with you on new terms. So unfortunately, it only avoids a redundancy situation if the employee's employment is continuing with you, albeit on new terms. There are ways around avoiding redundancies and reducing the need to make redundancies. And certainly, I found in experience recently, employees are more flexible and more willing to make changes and to accept changes if it means that they keep their employment. I think most people understand and recognise the way of the world at the moment and the situation many employers find themselves in. And they would rather be in employment with you, albeit at reduced hours or without those guaranteed hours, than be out of employment altogether and seeking work. So certainly as part of a dialogue in relation to redundancy or avoiding redundancy and in the consultation process, you can put that forward as an option if you wish. And you may find that many or the majority of employees will take that um, on the understanding that obviously it saves their jobs. Again, I know I sound like a bit of a broken record, but I do recommend that you get advice about that if you're going to go down that route of changing terms from fixed hours to zero hours. The final question that I've got to cover off here is if the furlough scheme does end in October, as provided for by the government, can we still furlough staff and pay them less? So after the government scheme ends, so you can't, assuming that it does end on the 31st of October and there is no further extension. Um, you can't claim anything from the government, but you can't give employees work um, because for whatever reason your business isn't operating or if there's a, a local lockdown, for example, what do you do then? Well, you can continue to keep them off work. Um, and this is where we refer to layoff and short-term working. And I did cover this way back at the beginning of the um, coronavirus situation uh, when everything first arose and we came into lockdown and there were various issues arising before the furlough scheme. Um, So I'll refer to that in the show notes. But um, you can do something called layoff and short-term working. Now, if you have the terms in the employment contract already to cover this, then you're fine. If not, you need to do so with agreement of the employees And it's worth noting that if you lay somebody off for four or more weeks or six weeks in any 13-week period, then they can automatically claim redundancy from you. So yes, you can reduce hours, you can lay people off, um, but you have to note that under the legal scheme for doing so, employees may have the right to claim redundancy pay anyway. So unless it's going to be for a very short time period after the furlough scheme ends or employees are in agreement to having a sabbatical or a period of unpaid leave, then I would recommend that you consider planning ahead and looking at your workforce before having to go down that route. And certainly, again, it's worth getting some advice, even if it's just considering some practical options and talking things through. You may not know all of the available options to you or the solutions that are available for employers to try to resolve these sorts of issues. So it's definitely worth getting some advice from an expert and we're certainly dealing with these sorts of things on a daily basis. (music) 
So there we go. There's some frequently asked questions that we're receiving in relation to the furlough scheme and redundancy. And this sort of rounds off this mini series, which I know from the feedback I've received from a lot of you has been very valuable. Um, So I'm glad that you are finding value in it and it's helpful um, not only to employers, but also employees as well. As I've said throughout the podcast, I do recommend that you get advice about the situation as it stands currently if you are making changes within your workforce and we provide advice around the UK via telephone, email, Microsoft Teams and Zoom, all of those sorts of video conferencing, however you want to deal with it. Um, So no matter where you're based then we can provide help and assistance for you and your business. If you want a no obligation discussion, telephone call or as I say, a video call, then you can email me. It's alison at realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk and we'd be happy to set that up for you. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast again. As I say, I do hope you found it valuable and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you, that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice.